Hello and welcome to Sports Speed After Hours. <laughs> I am your host, Hemahemuli Jr. And joining me as always, the very spooky Canadian, Zach Hicken. <laughs> I can't tell if that's a Transylvanian <laughs> accent or like a Hawaiian uh, trying to do Dracula. Transylnesian. Transylnesian uh, <laughs> accent. Zach, wow. It's Halloween. Yeah, it's uh, it's our spooky episode. Even though we recorded another spooky episode on uh, on Sunday, we talked a little bit about Mike Conley shooting woes, which was very spooky. It was very spooky. <laughs> Seems to have gotten out of the slump. Yes, he has. But Mountain Mike's back, and I'm so excited. Yeah, about Mountain it. Mike is back, baby. Also back, but for the first time, so he's not really back. <laughs> but joining us today. It's Kyle Ireland. Kyle, what is up? Hey, I, uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm honored that uh, I get the uh, the creepy episode. That's exciting to be a part of. But, uh, you know, excited to join the infamous Sports Beat After Hours pod. Yeah, um, as always, K- uh, Sports Beat After Hours is brought to you by KSLSports.com. We have you guys covered for any sporting event that you can imagine. Okay, so if you want to do underwater basket weaving, there's a chance that we probably maybe possibly have an article and kyle did something about it um kyle is our resident underwater basket weaving guy. So. yes he's our underwater basket weaving expert well i thought that was a byu thing so wouldn't that go under uh, mitch harper our byu insider uh well, that's a uh, quilt tying yes and butter churning yes I, uh, I haven't met my quota then. I'll have to get on that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, so Kyle is a digital sports producer. So he uh, produces content for KSLSports.com. A lot of stuff for like the Utes, Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, sometimes Weber State, sometimes Dixie State, sometimes Southern Utah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're glad to have him. Uh, in fact, where we're going to start tonight, last night was one of the craziest NBA Twitter nights ever. Do we want to talk? Let's start there. Kyle was the one who pointed it out to me. So, Kyle, tell us what happened. Keep it clean, though, because this is, this is a family-friendly family friendly show? show. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that before we get started. But, yeah, did you guys see the fight between uh, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, I guess Ben Simmons was also involved? during the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves and Philadelphia 76ers game. Yeah. But the fight continued afterwards on social media with uh, some some jabs between Cat and uh, Embiid. Yeah, it was nuts. So what happened is these two got a little bit physical. Um, they both got ejected from the game after uh, taking it to the floor. Ben Simmons put Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, in a headlock. He didn't get suspended, though. Simmons didn't. I don't know how he didn't, but... Um, he said he was sorry as he was choking Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> you can see the words being mouthed. Really? That's... <laughs> I I hadn't picked up that detail. We'll have to ask Tom if that's an Aussie thing, because I don't understand that. Yeah, that sounds more like a Canadian thing. <laughs> um, I would know a thing or two about that, but I don't know that I would say sorry while I'm choking someone. Um, Anyway, so it spilled onto Twitter afterwards, and Instagram, I guess, but... Uh, Joel Embiid uh, says, great team win. I was raised around Lions, and a cat pulled on me tonight, LMAO. Got his mama giving middle fingers left and right. That's some serious real estate. And then... Bars. Let me just say (laughs) bars, because he's using the whole cat reference. This is great. Yeah, and then Carl Anthony Towns responds, 
I ain't no blank raised around lions with like the lowercase uppercase and then said clown hashtag blank talk and then showed and beat flopping um Due to a finger, mind you. Yeah, just one with a finger, finger laid on, on it. On Embiid. That's the best, is the, the photos that Carl uh, Anthony Towns tweeted out. And then Joel Embiid responds, that tough guy act ain't cutting it. You know what you are. You know what you've always been, a blank. Say it louder for the people in the back. Been kicking your blank, and pretty please make the playoffs before you talk. It's a known thing that I own you. And then uh, he says, imagine talking... After a 20-point loss, you hate to see it, LMAO. Go ahead, using that pick of me, caring about losing in the second round of the playoffs. Oh, wait, you've never been there. You don't know what it's like. Uh, no boy finally won three games, and he is talking, and I know you ain't talking. You've been a blank your whole life. That's why you were treated like a blank by you-know-who. That's Jimmy Butler. I ain't going to put your business out <laughs> by I got the facts about you. Don't get it twisted. I own you, in all caps. So... Man, that was, I think that's the craziest NBA drama that we've had. Because it's always been subtle jabs between people like Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. Or some of the other rivalries that we've had or have been rumored about that we've never seen. You know, like what happened with the with the Clippers and the Rockets last year. Like no one actually saw what happened. But this is like the first thing that like we've really been able to get like a firsthand witness of and spilling over onto social media. Yeah, I, I want to just first say, uh, great job on the uh, the clean flicks version of the tweets there, Zach. Nice job editing, keeping it clean. But yeah, I mean, this is a crazy fight, and the NBA has clearly tried to mitigate any sort of physical altercations. They've tried to, you know, limit the the impact that like players on the bench have by coming onto the court, uh, suspending those guys if they come off of the bench to try and not have a second version of a malice at the palace kind of brawl but last night was crazy it's the the biggest fight that i think that i've seen in you know 10 years in the nba at least and you know i just love the fact that because social media has an impact now we get to see this kind of carry on off of the court as well it just kind of adds a little uh extra to it i like how you said malice at the palace because it's like you know this year we're bringing back all these throwback jerseys and like these fights are kind of throwback. Like they're actually like throwing punches and it's been a while since we've seen any of that happen. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I don't know. I just think it's funny that the punches are thrown first and then all the passive aggressive stuff comes out on social after that. It's the, uh, it's the 2019 millennial way of fighting off of the court, just going to right. Twitter and taking <laughs> jabs. Yeah, it was, uh, it was entertaining. Um, we got like responses from people all over, like the sports world, Donovan Mitchell, after the game, uh, finally gets on Twitter and sees what happens, and his only response was OMG. Um, and everyone knew exactly what he was talking about. So uh, it was pretty uh, it was pretty entertaining, um, especially coming off of a big jazz win last night. But go ahead, Emma. Oh, I was just going to say, <clears throat> the uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the Sixers come into town on the 6th, right? That's like next Wednesday. It's next Wednesday, yeah. Um. Let me just ask you guys this question. If the Jazz were to be involved in this sim- similar sort of altercation, do you think the Jazz would win on the social media, like, flames that they shoot at each other? Or do you think they'd win on the court? Or both? What do you think? I think that 
So here's the thing. Joel Embiid is probably the best. He's the NBA player that knows how to use Twitter better than anyone else. I don't think there's an NBA player that knows how to utilize Twitter, especially like burns and comebacks and slapbacks and stuff like that, better than Joel Embiid. If there's anyone that you can think of, please. I would say tell Rudy's me. pretty good. Rudy's good, but he's so subtle. Joel yeah. is like very he's very overt about it. Yeah, he's very overt about it. He's very loud. He's talking a lot. He talks a lot of smack. And so that's kind of why I say him, but um I I I don't know. I think I think the Clipper or excuse me, the 76ers kind of have the Jazz size-wise. So, I don't know that they'd spill over. Like if it was just pure trash talk, like Joe Ingles and Joel Embiid, I would pay to put them on like a debate stage and have them just talk trash back and forth. It would be really entertaining. Yeah, I mean, Embiid's going to be suspended for the next two games they announced, so he uh, he probably will be on best behavior uh, in the Jazz game next mm-hmm. week because it'll be his first game back. But, yeah, I mean, if, if Joe can kind of, you know, get underneath Joel Embiid's skin throughout that game, or even Ben Simmons, who is also involved, It'll be really interesting to see how that kind of impacts the game and whether or not you know Utah can take advantage of maybe a more passive approach from that team coming off of some uh, suspensions and trying to get the league off their back, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the Jazz game last night. It was a big one. Um, they are playing the Clippers, Sands, Kawhi Leonard. And Paul and, George. And Paul George, yes. Very important to note. Um, but I really liked what I saw from the Jazz yesterday. Yeah, I think that the Jazz, their starting units really starting to jive and click together. You saw that, you know, through the first four games of the season, Quinn was experimenting with some lineups mm-hmm. against the Lakers. They didn't play uh, Boyan Bogdanovich due to an injury, and they started Jeff Green. And so it's interesting to see how Quinn's kind of using – different matchups by the opponents to set his starting lineup. But the starting lineup of Gobert, Bogdanovich, uh, Royce O'Neal, Mike Conley, and Donovan Mitchell has played three games together now, I believe, or four games, that is, mm-hmm. now um, after the fifth game. And you saw what impact a few games under their belt really had against a depleted Clipper team that really only had Lou Williams and Jermichael Green as their offense. Yeah, And so... The Jazz starters, they combined for 80 points last night. Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell in the backcourt combined for 53 of those points. And Mike Conley really just broke out of a shooting slump, and things started to kind of come together. Royce O'Neal didn't take a shot. He was the only person uh, in the starting lineup who didn't take a field goal attempt, and it wasn't even needed last night because the rest of the starters really put the team on their back and carried the Jazz throughout the majority of the game. And what we really saw, too, was the – Mike Conley breakout game, which we've been waiting for, we've been anticipating, and um, it seems that he's finally found his own again, which was a huge positive because what this adds for this Jazz lineup is they have four guys who are legitimate number one options on any given night that can score in a variety of ways, and it takes the load off of Donovan Mitchell. So far, the Jazz this year, they've had three guys score 29 plus, and then the five guys, five five games three different guys um have uh scored um uh led the team in scoring yeah i mean to have the the luxury of of offense that you know utah's been afforded so far in in this young season 
has been something that Utah hasn't had in each of the last two seasons in Donovan Mitchell's first two years where he had to burden that scoring load by himself. And you saw at times that he was really tired because Mm -hmm. there wasn't really anybody else to help him out. I mean, Joe Ingles tried to carry the load at times, but that's not where Joe's role is best utilized. He's he's better to be a complementary type player and be a third or fourth type scorer on the team. But like you mentioned, you know, Mike Conley, leading scorer for Memphis last year, Boyan Bogdanovich, leading scorer for the Pacers last season. And now both of those guys come to Utah and they're not required to be the number one option because Donovan Mitchell is here. He's younger and he's already kind of taken on that role for the Jazz. But to have the luxury to be able to, you know, turn to one of those guys, whether, you know, Donovan has an off night or not, it really helps you know, kind of alleviate the pressure that Donovan's had on him for the first two seasons. But I think it's also helped open up his game. You've seen how efficient he's been in the first five games of the year, really, you know, kind of blossoming into, you know, what most people said was a deficiency of his was to, you know, be more efficient in, you know, scoring the basketball and not taking so many shots, but, you know, to try and score the amount of points that he had, but on a fewer shot attempts in the game. And you've seen that so far in five games. He scored 24 points or more in four games. Uh, he's, you know, really kind of had the floor open up for him. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of that has to do with Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley in particular because Mike Conley has been able to help play off the ball from Donovan. Mm-hmm. And then also Bogdanovich has really helped spread the floor, which has been a problem for the Jazz in the past few years. Well, I think one thing, too, is that we've seen an evolution in Donovan's game. Um, his stop and goes, his spin moves, his finishes, switching hands midair. That wasn't some, it was something we saw last year, but not to the degree that we're seeing it this year. It's becoming a regular part of his game. It's, it's like he added like five new weapons in his arsenal this off season. And it seems like almost any time that he wants to get the basket, he has a move that he can find a way to get it done, which is really impressive to me because there were a lot of times that the reason that he lacked efficiency was that he was driving and wasn't finding a way to score and wasn't going to the line. He still is trying to find a way to go to the line more consistently. Um, but like against, you know, Phoenix and LA, uh, he got plenty of opportunities to go to the line and get points there and improve his efficiency. Yeah. I think that that that's a good point made by you, Zach, that, you know, Donovan had an opportunity this year that he hadn't had in his two previous years where he was able to be healthy through the offseason, where he wasn't recover or recovering from an injury, but he also was able to compete in the FIBA World Championships. He was competing against some of the best players in the world, uh, best international talent for the most part, other than guys that were sitting out. And then he was also being coached up by Greg Popovich and some other coaches where you don't get that during the NBA season because you're just you know in your own little bubble with your own franchise and your own team. So... He was able to expand his game in a variety of ways through that FIBA World Championship experience. Even though the U.S. team didn't perform that well in, in the in the tournament, that is, but Donovan, in an individual game sense, really just you know helped blossom his game. And I think that we'll continue to see that as the Jazz have more options now. Teams can't defend and zone in on Mitchell as much as they were able to in the last two years. I think Donovan's in for a big year. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you why I think that the Jazz have three All-Stars this season. All right, that three number might be a little bit inflated. Kyle gave me a side-eye look, like, what are you thinking? But I think that they have two All-Stars. 
They had zero last year. Let's it's not going to be who you up. think it is. It's not going to be who you think it is either. It's not going to be Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert. It's going to be Donovan and Bojan. That's interesting. I think Bojan. I think Bojan is going to be one of the most impressive players of the first half of the NBA. I season. mean, if he keeps playing like he has in the first five games, yeah. then you're right. I think he's, whether or not he can keep it up. He's the most important piece that the Jazz acquired this offseason. That that is one hundred percent I am not making this up. I'm not making fun of anybody for saying this. <laughs> I think Bojan Bogdanovich is the most important piece the Jazz added to make their offense work. I wouldn't have thought so at the beginning of the season. No, I wouldn't have either. Absolutely looking back, like Mike Conley was ice cold, not in the good way for the first couple of games. And who was hot every single game? Bojan. And so I, I agree. Like you know, I thought going into the season that it was going to be like Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell both like trading twenty nine point games. Yeah, but now Boyan's been been super impressive, so I'm happy with that. Like we talked about this in a couple podcasts ago, the Jazz, in order to make a a magical run this season, need to have guys that we wouldn't think step up would step up, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened. Well, and they've had, I think. Out of the five games, three of the five games, they've shot over 45% from three. And a big part of that is because of what Bojan's able to do beyond the arc. And then open things up for other guys, too. So, But he's not a sharpshooter. Yeah, he's not a sharpshooter. <laughs> Just kidding. Make him practice till his feet fall off. Um, but speaking of practice, BYU football team has been practicing a lot because they had a bye week last week. They're getting ready for their big matchup against Utah State. They're carrying a two-game losing streak in the battle for the old wagon wheel, going up to Logan on Saturday to uh, try and reclaim it, what they believe is rightfully theirs. And right now, the Cougars still have a quarterback battle going on between, well, a perceived quarterback battle. I think that the coaches know. I think that they've known probably since last week. But I want to know who you guys think should start, Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney. See, I'm, I'm torn on this, Zach. Last week... When uh, when I was asked this question, I said Baylor Romney. But the more and more I've heard about BYU practice, the way that things have kind of played out, and what I'm expecting now heading into Saturday's game is expecting to see Jaron Hall at quarterback. I think that, you know, it goes back to that whole adage. I know a lot of people have talked about it this week of, you know, you can't lose your job to injury. And Jaron clearly was only out because of a concussion. If he doesn't have a mm-hmm. concussion – Jaron plays the rest of the game against South Florida, and then he plays against Boise State. Does BYU win against Boise with Jaron? I, I mean, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how BYU played the, the game against the Broncos differently than they had against any other team this season. The offense looked different. The defense looked different. And so a Jaron Hall in the Boise game-type offense will be interesting to see if if those things can be replicated with Hall up in Logan. But I think that BYU can't go wrong either way. Baylor was super efficient. I mean, you look at their numbers, uh, their box scores side to side from the last two games. Even though BYU did lose against South Florida, Jaron had a pretty good game. Granted, he had a lot of yards on the on the ground that Baylor didn't run the ball at all, but he threw for two touchdowns where Jaron only threw for one. But neither threw picks, uh, didn't turn the ball over at all, and that's something that where BYU uh, really succeeds in in the 2019 season is when they don't turn the ball over. If they don't turn the ball over, they give themselves a chance to win the game. And so I think that BYU, either way, as long as they can protect, can protect the football, they'll have a good chance. 
I think that um, I think you're right. It's really weird how this season has gone so far because I really liked Baylor Romney. Like you said, he was super efficient. Um, but it's hard to say like if he was like Jaron Hall is the type of quarterback you let improvise. You let him do his own thing within the, the confines of the play or whatever. Baylor Romney, I feel like was the quarterback that Kalani was like, just do what you're supposed to do. Do what the play requires. Just get it done. And he did. And which is, which is great to his credit. So I'm not saying he's like a system type quarterback, but Jaron Hall is definitely the one where you, you have a longer leash. He executed the, the game plan. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so going into this next game, I have no idea what's going to happen um, as far as like who's going to start, what kind of offense they're going to run. But I do know that I think Kalani fixed the problem that has been the problem this whole season in that I think Kalani is taking more control of this of this game. But, I mean, you know more than I do because, I mean, I spend so much time with all, all the other teams and stuff. But um, do you think Kalani has fixed that big problem of him – trying to distance himself from the play calling, and now he's taking a more active role in everything? You know, I think the sample size is too small to tell so far. It'll be interesting to see how things look against the Aggies up uh, up in Logan on Saturday because if BYU can replicate what they did two weeks ago against the Broncos, then I would agree with that statement that, you know, things have changed and BYU has figured out the problems that have ailed them in the losses they've had this season. And even some of the victories, right? They they haven't played perfect football right. in any game probably except for three quarters against Boise. And you saw what BYU did in the fourth quarter. They nearly yeah. collapsed. So it'll be interesting to see if BYU can replicate that performance that they had against the Broncos because even even with the – backup quarterback the Broncos still are a really talented team and you saw that they almost came back to win that football game Mm -hmm. but if BYU doesn't stay sharp doesn't stay on their toes and like Kalani mentioned in his post game you know they want to try and manufacture that pressure and keep things on edge for this team because that's when they perform the best when their backs are against the wall and BYU needs to have that kind of approach against Utah State, who has defeated them each of the last two seasons. But I think it's, again, a, a too small of a sample size to really have that be a firm answer at this point. One thing is for sure, though, um, this Utah State team is not the same Utah State team that BYU's faced in the past. Now, Jordan Love will play. He's a stellar quarterback. In fact, here at Sports Beat After Hours, we stand Jordan Love. But uh, that Utah State offense um it's very depleted they don't have the weapons that they've had before um their defense you know we like david woodward and and everything he brings to the table but even the defense is has been quote-unquote struggling in these past couple games because they've been on the field so much so Mm -hmm. um i think that is probably the biggest factor in who wins this game is the fact that utah state is not the same team um which i think plays in the favor of byu absolutely that's another reason why I think that Jaron Hall might play uh, and start for BYU is because he's a mobile quarterback, and you saw the success that Air Force had running the football. Granted, that's Air Force's offense, and they're different than almost everybody in the country other than a few select teams. But if BYU can kind of take advantage of some of the deficiencies that – I mean, Utah State didn't look great against Nevada even though they blew them out, right? And so the Aggies have been struggling for about a month now, I mean, 
obviously losing to LSU, the number one or two or three team in the country, depending on how you who you're talking to, and then to struggle against Nevada and also Air Force. BYU may or may not be catching the you know a really uh, angry and upset Aggies team or a really depressed and depleted Aggies team, and so it'll be interesting to see how Utah State responds and comes out. But I also think that you know something that would be really interesting to to see in this game is how much run Riley Burt gets, former BYU running back. A lot of people think he might be the backup uh, running back in this game and. Can you just imagine BYU fans if Riley Burt runs for like 75 yards and two touchdowns on him? It would be poetic justice in a way, wouldn't it? BYU fans would lose their minds, and it would just, I mean, the internet would explode, Twitter be on fire. I know the first joke I'd make is that Riley Burt's always run well against Mountain West teams. (laughs) Um, But all all joking aside, um, if he's getting a lot of touches, I don't see any way that Utah State's going to be able to sustain drives very well. Um, especially, you know, BYU is reportedly trying to work Troy Warner back in. Maybe Chris Wilcox. We'll see what happens. But um, I don't know. I think that BYU's defense is going to really show out this game. Um, they're going to add some new wrinkles uh, that they added during this bye week to this to their game plan, and I think it's going to make a big difference. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, I'm always excited when in-state teams play. I'm excited for every football game, but there's a lot of question marks and a lot of unknowns, and I'm excited to find out the answers this Saturday at 8 o'clock on ESPN2 or if you're traveling the game at Maverick Stadium in Logan. I just think the biggest thing for Utah State to you know look at in this game, if I was an Aggie fan, I'd look at Jordan Love and see which Jordan Love shows up. Is it the Jordan Love that struggled in the last few games, or is it the Jordan Love from the 2018 season that came into this year with NFL aspirations, Heisman hopeful, those types of things, because Love really hasn't been consistent this year. He's put up okay numbers at times, but he hasn't been the same Jordan Love that everybody thought was going to show up this season. So if Jordan Love comes out on fire and has a good game, I think that it'll be a really close game, a battle for the old wagon wheel, and it won't be something that either team runs away with. But I think that that is a, an eye or a, a problem or a a situation to keep your eye on i okay so to be fair I, I i agree with what you're saying i think jordan love definitely needs to carry the team more than he has been although i feel like he doesn't have a ronquavian tarver to throw to this year and and it and so jordan love's kind of been left out to dry in that sense like who is he gonna throw to like if if yossi mariner's not there he has nobody to throw to so um it's. I think you're right. I think Jordan Love needs to carry a bigger burden if they're going to beat BYU. But I also think that the rest of the team needs to freaking catch a ball. You know. So um, I can't. I can't wait. Plus, Maverick Stadium is a beautiful stadium to to play at. So I think it's uh it's going to be a lot of fun. Unless yeah. It's freezing cold. <laughs> Which it will be. Uh, Hammett, you're not going to be able to take in that atmosphere though. You're going to be up nope. in Seattle mm-hmm. for another incredible college football setting. I can't have you wait. ever been to Husky Stadium? I haven't. And I've been looking at the weather, and it says it's supposed to be sunny and like 60-something. So yeah, I it's a 1 wait. o'clock kick. Yeah, 1 o'clock kick in the afternoon. Um, the youths are going to try and get it done against Peterson and his Huskies. It's, do you think they do? I think they do. Um, not only because the youths are trending upward right now. They're doing really great. They've been picking up a lot of steam since that USC loss, which I was at also. So who knows? Maybe I'm the jinx. Maybe... <laughs> No, You've I'm been sure. to every other Utah game pretty much this yeah, year, though, so I don't the, think you're a jinx. Nah, so I, 
Chris Peterson, for some reason, always knows how to scheme against Utah teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like you know their team is has been struggling for the past little while and not as consistent and not as dangerous as they have been seasons past. But um, I think this is the year that that Kyle goes up to Seattle and just whoops on uh, on Washington. I think Utah is just a straight up better team than Washington this year too. That's always been the difference is that they've been pretty evenly matched and then Chris Peterson has found a way to get it done. But I think that Utah is so much more talented than Washington that it's just I don't think it's even in question that the Utes are going to get it done. Kyle, do you agree? I think it depends on what Utah team shows up. Is it the one that's played in the last four games that's on a win streak or is it the team that played against USC that really, I mean, if it was any other week of the season, Utah wins that game. And so I think it all, it's all dependent on how Utah comes out. Is Utah angry and hungry and they want to prove everybody wrong and show that they can win this conference and go into the Pac-12 title game with one loss? I, I think that that's really key. And it's also going to be interesting to see how Jacob Eason comes out for Washington. Is it the Jacob Eason that came out against BYU and Provo and just looked like he was going to be a first-round draft pick and was throwing it all over the field and just super accurate? and lights the defense up. So it'll be interesting to see because I think that this is one of the best football games of the Pac-12 season because Washington, they can be so high-powered at times, and Utah's defense has been lights out for most of the season, and Tyler Huntley's been super efficient. He's Mm -hmm. been one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and uh, I think that, you know, depending on which team shows up for either side, it could be a blowout, it could be a really tight game, it could be a close game like last year. Or uh, we could see, you know, you know, Washington or Utah just run away with it. Yeah. I think that uh, overall, I think this game is going to be like last year in the sense that it's going to be defensive heavy game. It's going to be, you know, Utah's lockdown corners versus uh, Utah, uh, Washington's, you know, run stopping defense. Um, but I think that Utah has the most complete offense of the two teams. And so, like you said, Utah is going to have to put up big numbers in order to, to win this game because I think it's going to be a, a grinded-out, physical, classic Washington-Utah game. Um, but, you know, if Tyler Huntley is at 100% because he wasn't 100% last game, and if Zach Moss is has all cylinders firing, this Utah's going to run away with it, I think. I think so, too. Um and, uh, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend. It's a big weekend. Uh, high school football, like we mentioned earlier this week, round two action going on. Um, so it'll be fun. Um, oh, yeah. Also, let me plug this real quick. Oh, yeah. Go uh, I just finished an article about Kyle Winningham's coaching tree. And the interest, most interesting thing about the whole thing is that not only is Kalani Satake and um, Gary Anderson going toe-to-toe in Logan this weekend, they're both – Kyle Whittingham disciples, but also uh, Weber State, the Wildcats. Great, great, great. Jay Hill has taken on uh, Troy Taylor in the Sacramento um, State. What are they? Hornets? I think they're Hornets. I think so. It's a, they have a weird logo, but they're 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 facing off against each other too. And they're actually, I think Weber State is number one in in the big. What, oh, are they third? Oh, number three in the nation. Yeah. But number one in Big Sky. And, and number one in our hearts. And number one in our hearts. And great, Sac great, State great. is number two in, in the Big Sky. So it's a big matchup also going down on Saturday. So I just wanted to put that out there. Lots of great football to watch. Um, 
And yeah. That's yeah. all I got. Check it out on kslsports.com. Um, also, part of the reason that we're here and we're doing this special Halloween edition is because we want to tell more scary stories. Woo. So um, we've all come prepared. I think we're going to share one story each so we don't go too long. Um, so we're, we'll do one story each and then uh, Kyle, we actually... We need to introduce you, like how you got into the whole sports broadcasting, sports media business, and so we're gonna ask you a couple questions, and then uh, we'll end this bad boy. But, um, Hammond, do you want to start? Do you got a, a scary sure. story prepared for um, us? So I got kind of a weird story. Okay, and it's actually it's a it's not super long, so you guys get your stories ready. Um, but my dad is from Tonga, like straight from the island of Tonga. In fact, we call him a fob because fob stands for. FOB, fresh off the boat. So this guy has some crazy stories and crazy, like, uh, superstitions from the islands. And one of the craziest things he ever told me um, was when I was little, he said that back in the islands in Tonga, if you took, like, the, if you have a dog and you, like, wipe your dog's eyes, like the eye boogers from your dog, and if you put them on your eyes, you'll be able to see ghosts. What? Isn't that disgusting? So, so did, I do asked, people actually do this? I, I asked him if he'd done it before, and he said, yeah. And I'm like, did you see any ghosts? And he said, no. <laughs> so I have no idea if it works. But they have, like, a lot of crazy superstitions like that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That it, because they believe in ghosts, and, and I don't know, to a certain degree I do, too, I guess. Um, but they have a lot of crazy superstitions that I'll, I'll think of some more while you guys are telling your story. So that's like my short story. That's like not, it's not spooky. It's just kind of gross. No, I, I actually like stuff like that. Cause I like folklore. Um, in fact, like, oh, there's a lot of folklore, um, in Utah County with like the occult and, uh, stuff like that. Um, I have, and like a lot of kids, will jokingly end up like playing with like a Ouija board or something like that to see if they could like talk to the spirits or anything. But I actually, this didn't happen to me, but this happened to some of my friends in high school. Um, they were up at Utah state for a football camp. I think it was our junior year of high school and they decided to break out a Ouija board in the dorms. So they start using it and they say, this is all 100% truth. And I've asked, Several different people over the years, the stories always match up, which is what's crazy. Um, so they're playing with this Ouija board, start talking with the spirit, and it's like this little girl. And she's like, hey, I'm in the graveyard, the cemetery over by the uh, campus, Utah State's campus. Why don't you come see me there? So one night during football camp, they snuck out and they started doing it, in, um, the Ouija board, in the cemetery. And so they said that like we're all shaking. So I've never like played with one or used one, but they said that um, you can kind of tell who's talking to you based on like how things are spelled and how fast they go. There's like a different tone and uh, speed and rhythm depending on like what type of spirit you're talking to. So they were pretty well established with this rhythm of this little girl because they had been talking to her for hours. Then all of a sudden she said, help me, I'm in danger. And then all of a sudden it just starts moving super fast. And then they start asking questions like, who are you? It said The spirit said its name. Did you hurt the little girl? Yes. Where is she? Gone. And so they're just like, oh crap. 
Um, and so they leave and they pack up the Ouija board, but they left the, uh, or yeah, they packed up the Ouija board and left. And, um, so football season starts and they break it out again. Have you guys ever heard of the, uh, the chair in the, I think the Highlands Cemetery? No. So there's a gravestone that's set like a chair. And apparently if you go to it, like you can see ghosts sitting in it or like you'll be haunted and stuff like that. I've, I've never been, but my friends decided it'd be a good idea to take the Ouija board there <laughs> and start working its magic. You need to get some new friends. Yeah, back. I know. He, um, he won't need to because they'll die violently, <laughs> violently soon. Yes. Uh, so they actually went and did the Ouija board and they were being talked to by the same spirit. And it scared them because it said something to the degree of like, I'm coming for you next. Um, they were trying to get in contact with the little girl. Anyway, they just left the Ouija board and the cursor behind. And they just left. A few weeks go by. My friend comes home. Uh, they It was a Friday night. They get done with a football game. They lose. It was an away game. They go home, shower. They go out and get some food at like Rancheritos or Beto's. And they're out till like 1 or 2 in the morning. My friend comes home. And he pulls into his driveway and there's someone standing at his front door in a robe. And he's just like, uh, am I imagining this? And the person figure whatever turns and holds up the cursor that they left behind. And he just backed out, booked it and left <laughs> and drove until like the sun rose the next morning. And then finally went back home like when it was light out and the cursor was sitting on his front porch. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a good story. I hate everything about that story. <laughs> Do you have any, Kyle? Uh, yeah, on a lighter note, uh, I mean, it was it was a really, you know, scary thing for me because I like watching good football. But on uh, September 17th, 2011, I witnessed a 54-10 beatdown. <laughs> that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. I won't, I won't go into further detail, but uh, I never want to see anything like that again. Still haunt your dreams? Uh, just a little bit. I'm sorry. I, I'm very sorry. Uh, that's great. Um, well, Kyle, uh, we want to know, um, so you're relatively new here. You've been here for what, about two months? Yeah, just over two months. Um, how did you get in this whole sports media business? So I, uh, attended BYU, uh, went through the communications, uh, program there. I worked at BYU TV for a few years. And then uh, I also had an internship with the uh, Utah Jazz here in town and uh, kind of bounced around, uh, worked for a radio station ESPN 960 in the area, and then came over here just before football season. So kind of have covered a lot from high school to college to pro and um, just, you know, covering all of the major sports like you guys mentioned earlier in the podcast uh, for all the teams here in Utah. Everything from high school to Dixie and Weber all the way to BYU, Utah, Utah State, and Real Salt Lake and the Utah Jazz. So, yeah, it's been fun. What made you want to get into this? Uh, I think it goes back to when I was probably in, you know, elementary school, junior high, probably around, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old. I got into sports radio. I'd actually fall asleep listening to sports radio and I, I had a really hard time sleeping as a kid and as a teenager, and so I would stay up until like 
three or four in the morning listening to sports radio in Is it my like bed. national shows or oh, yeah. to replays like, or yeah fox sports radio espn radio um do you ever remember like jt the brick did you I, ever listen to him i don't listen to rick blue those were like some yeah. old ones that i listened to like back in the early 2000s and um you know just grew up a huge sports fan my my dad's a huge sports fan and all of my uncles and my grandparents and stuff and so kind of just grew up liking sports a lot and listened to sports and wanted to kind of make that a career so cool kind of led me into that yeah it's kind of interesting how people get introduced to it because there's so many different mediums you know there's radio tv digital newspaper um now there's podcasts that you can get into it uh, i was always drawn to like the newspaper side of things like i loved reading the newspaper all the time um, I didn't really get into sports radio until like 2012 after I graduated from high school. And then I started listening to sports radio and I was hooked. I would listen to it literally all day. And I I bought like a little portable radio so I could um, carry it around with headphones in while I was on campus at college, um, at first at Utah Valley and then at BYU. And then um, I was working as an electrician at the time and I would do that so I could listen to my sports radio and I wouldn't bother anyone else so they could listen to their music or whatever the heck they were listening to um, on the job site. And so, uh, yeah, and then I eventually found myself trending more towards television, which is where we are now. And now with this whole KSLsports.com thing, we have so many different mediums that we can do. It's pretty cool. It's it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it's crazy how sports and, like, media in general has evolved over the last, you know, 10, 15 years because – you know, I, I grew up in the same way. I wasn't as addicted to the newspaper as you were, Zach, but I would grow up where, you know, the newspaper would come in the morning and I would go out there and I'd grab it just to pull out the sports section. I didn't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. And then I'd just go straight to the standings and I'd see where the Jazz were because we didn't have the internet in the same way that we have it now. And so to find out where the Jazz kind of fit within, you know, the NBA landscape or, you know, uh, any of the football teams here in the state, how things had played out based off of games that were the night before. You had to go to the sports section and look up where, you know, the teams that you cared about were sitting. And so I I kind of miss that yeah. to a certain extent just because it's so easy. You just pull out your iPhone and you do a Google search and you can find all that in two seconds now. But there was something kind of, like, unique and special about that way. And I, I think about, like, you know, my future kids, like they won't ever have anything like that. They'll just have, you know, an internet device and they'll be able to have that in two seconds. And, you know, maybe we'll have like a a unique nostalgia to to them, but the way things have changed with technology is really interesting. And you kind of, you lack some of that, you know, uniqueness that is no longer there. Yeah. I think, um, what you see now is a lot of the same people writing in the same voice and stuff like that. And while it's spurned a lot of creativity, it's also, shown a lot of copied creativity um and there's just a lot of duplications and i mean our podcast is even i think hemma would be the first to admit we duplicate a lot of things that we do from other podcasts that we listen to both mocking and both out of admiration in an endearing way but um yeah it's it's cool the sports media landscape is very different in 2019 than what it was when i first started school in 2012 and so um, it's cool and yeah, glad to be here. Glad that you're here. Glad that Hema's here and uh, glad that we could do this today. We're definitely having you back on because of your breadth of knowledge. You don't talk crap about 
any of the teams, you're not a hater. Well, I want people to read my articles, so <laughs> yeah, I uh, think that that's a good first Despite step. Despite what Utah fans think, you were actually right. Well, you were just. I feel vindicated. You were we'll vindicated. just say that. Thank you. Awesome. Well, uh, let's uh, let's head on out. I think that's everything we got for today. Um, but we'll be back on uh, Sunday as always. Yep. So thanks, Kyle, for hanging out with us for a little bit. Um, and thank you for listening to Sports Beat After Hours, Spooky Edition. I'm your host, Hemi Mooley Jr. He's the other host, Zach Haken. Good night, everybody.